In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, as we find ourselves simultaneously in the season of Epiphany and lurching towards the precipice of year three of living through a pandemic, I'm curious about what your relationship to celebration is like right now. Do you welcome it? Are you able to fully set aside any of the fear or the grief or the frustration of prolonged crisis, even for a moment? I have to admit that it's something I've struggled with. These days, sometimes I find that when I'm trying to celebrate and feel that light and content feeling of good and pure joy, it's like a part of me is still waiting for the other shoe to drop and burst my bubble. I do understand how difficult it can be to allow yourself to experience true celebration and joy. Even outside of the pandemic difficulties, I think the necessity of joy often gets pushed to the back burner. Maybe the stress of everything life requires forces you to prioritize everything else in your life above joy. Or maybe you think the wonder of joy is just for kids, and you're much too grown up and serious to feel it deeply. Or maybe you're in a season of grief or great pain, and it feels impossible that you'll ever know joy again. Through it all, here we are, in this season of Epiphany, embracing ourselves for another snowstorm. And this morning's gospel lesson is here waiting for us. This week is exciting because this particular text points towards serious celebration and joy. I love this text because it's fun. In it, Jesus, his mother, and the disciples are attending a wedding in Cana when the wine for the guests runs out. On top of this being tragic, in ancient culture, it would have been considered incredibly embarrassing and shameful for the family hosting the wedding. It might still feel that way to us a little bit even now. And of course, it's the deep empathy and intuition of Jesus's mother who notices this potential embarrassment and points it out to Jesus so that he can help them. And his response to his mom is, woman, what concern is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. I love this part for two reasons. One, it's an almost comical peek behind the holy familial curtain. Most of us will certainly recognize this particular brand of attitude that uniquely resides in a family bond. The second thing I love about this is Mary's response. She kind of ignores the fact that Jesus said his hour has not yet come, and she goes and tells the servants to do whatever he says to do. Jesus knows that once his ministry truly begins, then he's that much closer to the cross. In his humanity, Jesus is showing some fear. And in his anxiety, he's giving his mom attitude. Mary recognizes this trepidation or perhaps failure to launch. And with all the love and empathy of a mother, she gently pushes him from the nest 
because she knows he's ready to fly. So Jesus performs his first miracle. He tells the servants to fill the stone jars, and then he turns 20 to 30 gallons of water into wine to last through the rest of the wedding celebration. Isn't it amazing that Jesus' very first miracle isn't some grand public multiplication of food or even a life-changing healing of someone in need? His first miracle is quite private. Only Mary, the disciples, and the servants witnessed it. And it was performed in the name of sparing one family some shame and keeping everyone else celebrating. This is some seriously good news. Last week, Matthew preached about how God delights in us. And in our text in this morning in Isaiah, we hear about God's delight in us. And how evident is that in this text? When the steward tasted the water that had become wine, he says to the groom, everyone usually serves the good wine first, but you've saved the best for last. The guests are surprised, and they're simply delighted. In these moments, we can appreciate that this text is to be taken quite seriously as an epiphany text. That is, it's integral for our understanding of the revelation of God in Christ. In it, we can see and know God more deeply. This story reveals a manifestation, not necessarily of judgment or of broken chains, but of abundance and delight. It shows us that when God is revealed to us, sometimes it is simply for the sake of pure celebration and joy. And this revelation is not always immediate, and it's not always revealed to everyone. This text shows us just a glimmer, indicating how much more is to come. It's almost saying, you think you see the glory of God now, but just wait. You have no idea what's still to come. You will see greater things than even this. It's full of ridiculous hope and expectation. God cares deeply about our joy, so we should too. Perhaps after two years of living through the pandemic, we've become too comfortable bracing ourselves and preparing for the worst. As we enter into year three, I want to challenge myself and to challenge you to truly fight for your joy. Seize every opportunity to celebrate no no matter how small it seems to you. Tomorrow is my dog's third birthday, and you better believe I'm going to find some way to party. We are complex creatures, and we must find ways to live in simultaneous truths. Celebrating doesn't mean you don't care about another's pain. And joy doesn't mean that you're totally healed or that you've forgotten the loved one you've lost. God is with you for all of it, revealing God's goodness and love in life's peaks and in valleys. And sometimes a miracle isn't something that we might consider practical. Sometimes a miracle is simply God giving us joy and the means to celebrate it. Amen.